Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthy for Life podcast where we will be discussing maintainable, sustainable, conscious living. I'm your host, Sarah Grace. Thanks for joining me. Welcome back to a new episode of Healthy for Life. Today we are going to be discussing the three pillars to optimal health. And this is a new series that I am starting kicking off this week. And we will be going over the next three weeks discussing these pillars. And I picked the name pillars instead of maybe keys because I think of uh, a beam with pillars holding it up. And the beam is like your body and the pillars are these uh, specific things that you need in order to achieve optimal health. Number one being nutrition. And today we're going to be discussing nutrition. Next, there'll be fitness. And then lastly, on the third week, we'll be talking about personal care and cosmetics. Nutrition being number one, because really without a a proper diet, you know, you cannot achieve true lasting optimal health. I would say nutrition makes up probably 85% of, you know, achieving our goals and of being healthy. And, um, and then secondly, we have fitness and exercise, which of course is going to look different for everybody. And that can also kind of go into, you know, mindset, um, emotional health. It plays a role in all of those, those things too. And then lastly, personal care and cosmetics. And I know you might be thinking, wow, is that really a pillar? And yes, it is. And that's something that I'm going to get into in that week three. And that's really why I wanted to discuss it because it's incredible the effects that, um, what you put on your skin and what is in your environment and what you're using on a daily basis, how it affects your health. And so, um, and it can literally destroy your health and cause disease. So I think that that is a major pillar to holding up your body and, and creating that optimal health for you. So I'll be kind of piggybacking off of my, um, previous podcast episode called Stop Dieting, Do This Instead. And some of you may have listened to that uh, episode. If not, you can still catch it because they're there. You just have to go look for it. The recording on that wasn't awesome. The audio's a little funky, but um, the information is really great. So <laughs> it's a good one and worth a listen. I'm going to be using my booklet, Simple Nutrition, as kind of a guideline for today's discussion. And that's a book that I had put together that has a lot of useful, practical things that you can use to help you decide on what to eat, what not to eat, a little philosophy of nutrition, some recipes, a sample meal plan, that sort of thing. So that's kind of what I'm going off of today. And I'm just going to kind of be explaining more and getting more in depth. If you're interested in purchasing Simple Nutrition, um, you can get the downloadable PDF version or the ebook, and that's just $10. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast, or you can also just message me and um, I can send it over to you. 
So why is nutrition so important to one of these major, huge pillars for optimal health? Well, we've all heard the saying, you are what you eat, and that is totally and completely true. Uh, nutrition and nutrients from food basically make up our bodies. They make up the chemical processes that take place in our bodies. They affect our tissues, our bones, our brain, all of those things. So nutrition, if food is life, it is, um, you know, how we survive. It is what carries out every process in our bodies the, the vitamins, the nutrients, and those chemical processes. So it is so important. And when you are consuming a diet that lacks nutrients and vitamins, because it is dead, it is dead food being that number one, it comes from maybe processed foods that are not living. They're basically dead foods or Um, It comes from nutrient deficient soils, which we have a major issue with today. You're not, if you're consuming a diet like that, then you're not feeding your body and it's not able to carry out the chemical processes that keep it functioning properly. And so it is so incredibly important to make nutrition a major focus in your life. And when you are carrying on a daily basis and consuming foods like fast foods and highly processed foods, eventually it will catch up with you and it will reveal itself in the way of health problems. And it might start as little things that we think often are normal and they're not, but it kind of creeps up on us. And maybe it starts with just being exhausted or having anxiety or having bloating and gas uh, carrying a little extra weight. Maybe, um, you are experiencing depression or irritability, major, um, PMS, um, you know, some swelling joint pain, things like that. It could start like that on things that we don't really stop to think about. And maybe we just take an ibuprofen or, um, we take something for bloating or, um, you know, we just chalk it up to, oh, it's my age. It's, uh, the, my stress, all of those things, but that's kind of how it can often start. And because you've been living that way, you sometimes don't know what it feels like to feel good and to be healthy. So, um, you don't have anything to compare it to and you think, well, I'm not doing that bad or it's not that bad. This is normal. It's better than so-and-so. And you never give your body a chance to know what it feels like to actually feel really good. So that's often how it can start. And then sometimes into our late thirties or our forties and fifties, other things emerge. And typically they are often more serious things like high blood pressure. Um, you know, cancer, God forbid is a major one for people. Um, a lot more weight gain that you can't get rid of more serious depression or, um, you know, type two diabetes, God forbid, that's another terrible one 
or thyroid conditions, or maybe you're in your late thirties or mid thirties, and now you would like to get pregnant and you're struggling to get pregnant because of the years before of damage that you've done to your body. So it's a whole list of different things that can emerge, but we often see this in people and nobody is really attributing it to the lifestyle and the habits and what they are eating. So that's why nutrition is so incredibly important. And I cannot encourage you enough to really make it your focus because yes, not only will you look good and feel good, but you will be feeding your body and preventing disease and creating optimal health for yourself. So we'll start first with our macronutrients and our macronutrients are carbs, proteins, and fats. And I'm going to get into some specifics from my book of what to avoid and what to include um, so that you kind of know, just to make it simple, like, okay, where do I start and what should I be eating and what should I be avoiding? And before I do that though, what I want to say is that, and I've said this before, and I said this in my stop dieting, do this instead podcast episode, diets don't work. So focusing on diets does not do anybody favors because it is typically restrictive. It's not maintainable. It attaches you to these short-term goals, uh, that you cannot maintain over a long period of time. So therefore you are, you know, like, okay, I just have to get through this 21 days or this 30 days or this eight weeks or the six weeks. And once I get through that, then I can, you know, yay, I'm done. I look better, but then go and binge and get all the things that I wanted. And oftentimes we have to focus on changing our mindset, on learning new habits, on creating uh, new habits in our lives that are maintainable. And without doing that and without learning you know, what foods to eat and what is nourishing and what to avoid and why we often just fall back into old habits and end up putting on more weight than what we had before. So the focus really, and what I always teach and what I preach is just avoid processed foods. And we're going to get into what those foods are specifically. So avoiding processed foods is really the main focus and thinking about eating those living foods, those real live foods, so to speak, that help feed you the nutrients that you need. So when we talk about processed foods, those are foods containing simple carbohydrates or simple sugars. They break down quickly in the body and they enter the bloodstream as sugar. And what happens when we eat excess sugar? It gets stored as fat, plain and simple. And fat is sometimes it's, it is a better energy source, but it is not always the first energy source that the body goes to. And it's not always as easily accessible. And then if you kind of top that with, okay, I have a lot of stress. I'm not sleeping enough. My cortisol levels are off. Your body is going to be storing fat and it's not going to be burning that fat. So thinking that, um, you can carb load and save it for another day or the next day when you're going to be running or whatever, that's old school. That's not scientifically proven. It doesn't work. If you consume over consume, carbohydrates and sugar, they will be stored in your body as fat and your, 
you will get fatter. <laughs> so, um, we really want to focus on avoiding those simple sugars. And, um, in my book, I have a healthy foods list and we, I have like, and I could literally go on and on with this list, but you know, it's just, it's a lot of them are self-explanatory things, but you want to think mostly of things that are packaged and processed like boxed foods, pre-prepared foods and meals, you know, lunch meat, applesauce, um, obviously cakes, candy, soda, canned foods, cereals, um, uh, cranberry sauce, deli coleslaw, you know, ice cream, juice, concentrate, jello, jams, and jellies. I mean, some of these are the obvious ones, but then there's other foods that are labeled often as natural or healthy, or you bought it at whole foods, but you still want to read your ingredients because it it contains a lot of processed crap ingredients. But the easiest way to avoid this is just by sticking with foods that are not processed, that are not packaged. And that often requires a little bit of planning and prepping and having to cook. But now we do have a lot of great uh, alternatives also for people who don't have time to cook, whether it's a meal delivery service or, you know, um, you have it shipped to your house and it comes with the ingredients, that sort of thing. So really there are no excuses here. So those are the food, the carbohydrates we want to avoid are simple carbohydrates are complex. Carbohydrates are things like sweet potato and white potato. That's going to be like your number one, go to healthy complex carb, and it's not processed. So, uh, consuming that is great. I often tell people, you know, if you want to go for 30 days and only do say like, you know, for your complex carbs, only do carbohydrates and maybe like root vegetables, then go for it. That's kind of like a whole 30 type of plan, which is great to help you detox and get rid of those sugar cravings and things like that. But sometimes that's hard to maintain over an extended period of time. And I really want to see people embrace principles that they can maintain. So having, um, rice, you know, an organic brown or white jasmine rice, something like that is fine. Even though that could be classified as a processed grain, um, it is minimally processed. And so, um, you know, if you feel like you need to include that in your diet, that is fine. And then things like oatmeal, you just want to make sure that it is, uh, sprouted if possible. It's like a organic steel cut type of oat, uh, definitely organic as much as you can, because the, a lot of these grains can be treated with pesticides and soaked in different chemicals and things. So you definitely want to try to go with organic as much as possible. Um, another, another one is like yellow corn. Of course you want organic non-GMO yellow corn, uh, almond flour and coconut flour. They're, those are your great alternatives to a wheat flour. So those are some things that you can consume as your complex carbohydrates. And then obviously your root vegetables and some of them don't really fall under complex carbs. Maybe, I mean, they're a vegetable, a complex carbish vegetable, <laughs> but, um, things like acorn squash, butternut squash, 
even eggplant is, I don't know how that's classified, but that's a really good starchy vegetable that's um, filling. So that's a good one as well. And then of course, um, complex carbohydrates to avoid really, again, with those processed carbs is like your white or wheat flour, flour tortillas, cornstarch grits, those sort of things as much as possible. Um, gluten is found in your flours and I always preach as much as possible to avoid gluten because it can be inflammatory to the gut. And, um, a great book to read is Grain Brain by Dr. Perlmuter. What an awesome book. And he talks a lot about why it's important to, to avoid gluten. And for most people, whether you test positive for celiac or not, and a lot of people don't, it doesn't matter. Gluten is still irritating and inflammatory in the gut. And when it, when the gut is inflamed or irritated, it leads to autoimmune issues. And so I would encourage you to cut out all gluten for six weeks and see how you feel. And often if you're cutting out gluten, then you're cutting out processed foods and you're going to feel better regardless. So like myself, for instance, I do like a gluten-free toast, um, in the morning but when I really want to like get on it and be maybe extra cautious or strict, I would cut the toast out. And I do feel better if I just do like potatoes in the morning. So, um, that's something that you can decide. And if you feel like, Hey, I'm just going to have a piece or two of gluten-free toast in the morning, that's fine. But a lot of gluten-free items still contain trace amounts of gluten, um, but they can be a better alternative. But again, they are, it's a processed food. So minimizing and avoiding those as much as possible is going to go a long way for you in feeling better and achieving that health. So next let's go on to proteins and, um, basically acceptable proteins. So we have, um, you know, your turkey, your beef, your fish, um, your chicken, uh, duck, all of those. I, I find that all animal proteins are acceptable. This is my one biggest thing that I tell people is invest in going with organic grass fed, free range, hormone free meats because animals raised in their natural environment and fed a diet that they are created to eat. Like for instance, cows free range on grass makes a, a huge difference in the meat quality. It even changes the omega balance in the meat and how it affects you when you eat it and your health. So a free range animal raised in their natural environment does not compare to a factory farmed grain fed animal. The meats are totally different and how they affect your body and your health is going to also be totally different. So cows, for instance, they are not made to eat grain and often we feed them grain because it's cheap and it fattens them up fast. But when you are consuming meat from a factory fed animal like that, not to mention how inhumane and horrible they are kept. Uh, but when you consume that meat, it affects your health differently. So that would be my best advice is just to take that 
extra time and money to invest in the quality meats. And if you go for to ordering from farms, that is a way to save money. You order in bulk or you find a local farm in your area and support this, the small farmers because they are the ones who are caring for the land. And when they're caring for the land by the way that they farm, it helps our environment. And it's factory farms that are destroying our environment, not the small farmers who are rotating their their crops and their animals. And animals help to fertilize the land and uh, the grass and help it grow. And so there's a lot of benefits to small farming uh, for our environment and for our health. So supporting your farmers to me is the best way to go. And that's also the way to save money. But yeah, if there's one thing you're going to invest in, it's really, really being careful on where you're getting your meats from. And even say Whole Foods, for instance, a lot of their grass-fed meats are grain-finished, so they're not 100% grass-fed, especially the ones that you buy in the cooler from the guy who has to get it for you, the the ones sitting out. uh, If you ask them, they will tell you that they are grain-finished most of the time. So those um, are acceptable proteins with meat, and if you're going with fish, you really want to make sure it's wild-caught. I'm pretty, I, I mostly avoid fish unless I'm in Hawaii because I just feel like our oceans are so dirty. Um, I'm not really sure where that fish is coming from and it's just kind of like, uh, not really my thing, but just try to make sure that it's wild caught eggs too, free range, soy free. Those are the things you want to look for when it comes to your eggs. Um, if you can get organic free range, soy free, that's awesome because oftentimes eggs may be coming from chickens that are free range, but they're still supplementing with some type of feed, which is pretty normal with chickens. Uh, so you want to make sure it's organic and then also soy free because soy is, is fed a lot to chickens. And I know plenty of people who have had their children especially have allergies to eggs because of the soy, because actually they really have a soy allergy. So avoiding that is, is important. Uh, organ meats are great. Again, if they're organic, things like liver and that sort of thing. Um, let's see. And natural nut butters, they could fall under protein. You just want to make sure that you read the ingredients and you see on the back that it's just say like organic roasted almonds or organic peanuts, and there's no, um, vegetable oils or sugar added to them. And then protein supplements, just being cautious again with your protein supplements and making sure that, um, you know, they're non-GMO or I typically go with a plant-based protein just because it's hard to know where the animal protein sources are coming from. And they might, some of them might say grass fed, but I've heard that's a little up in the air. Um, that they are, they would typically be pretty expensive if the, if they were fully grass fed proteins. So I just go with a plant-based protein and I know there's a lot of different options out there. Um, and you just want to make sure that they don't have any artificial sweeteners, uh, or soy in them. Protein foods to avoid, again, are things like your processed cheese. We're going to get into dairy in a minute. Your processed meats like lunch meat. That's a huge one that you want to avoid. There really, I feel like, isn't a lunch meat that is um, not preserved in some way. 
And there's a lot of options that say no nitrates and that sort of thing, but they do have to preserve them often. And typically when you're going with lunch meat, what does lunch meat go with? It usually goes with a sandwich. And if you're just trying to eat it as a snack, I mean, that's up to you, but again, it's a processed food. So eating say like a chicken thigh or you know, a beef burger or turkey burger is so much more healthy for you and so much more full of nutrients. And let's see, uh, soy, you should really avoid all soy. Uh, soy can be somewhat of a controversial thing for people who still argue that it's good for you and it's not bad. It's not dangerous, but that is not true. It, it can affect the thyroid and the hormones. It can kind of do that whole estrogen mimicking thing that I've talked about in past um, episodes. And it's uh, just something that it really should only be consumed when it's prepared a certain way, like with um, fermenting and that sort of thing. And that's hard to find and it can be pretty expensive. So soy is often a cheap filler. It comes from GMO crops and it's just um, a f- often a factory process ingredient that we just want to avoid. And then let's see. So we did carbs, we did proteins and fats as our next one. So let's talk about oils. And this is a huge one that I feel like is really overlooked and something that I always harp on. And that's your oils. We're what type of oils are you using? And not just for cooking, but, um, what type of oils are you consuming in foods? That is a huge one because vegetable oils are what is predominantly in processed foods from crackers, to cookies, to chips. Even sometimes you'll find it in protein shakes and, um, all of, all of those foods. So we really, really want to avoid vegetable oils and, they're quite a big list of them, but that's things like safflower oil, peanut oil, corn oil, canola oil, soybean oil, vegetable oil. Um, what else? Sunflower oil is an okay one. Um, so that's, that's not so bad, but mainly those other oils I listed, you really, really want to avoid them. They are rancid. They are highly processed. They're deodorized and they're even dyed. So they are like the sludge or sledge that's left over from processed crops like wheat, soy, and corn. And then they have to process them and heat them to very high heat levels and then dye them and even deodorize them. And they are what is causing our obesity and our, uh, heart disease issues. They are what clogs our arteries. It's not things like saturated fats, like a grass fed butter or, uh, fat on meat or, uh, avocado or coconut oil. It's not those oils. It is the rancid processed vegetable oils. The reason why you're not getting this information is because of the corruption of our food industry and vegetable oil companies. And a lot of the, you know, kind of misinformation that was spread by the American heart association, because they were taking money from vegetable oil companies 
there's just a lot of corruption there. So <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. And, um, but I just always highly recommend people to avoid those oils and instead look for your oils like avocado oil. That is a phenomenal oil to cook in. It can, it has a high heat tolerance. So avocado oil is a great one for frying. Uh, coconut oil is good and you can even mix them. Um, small amounts of coconut oil, I feel like agree with people the best. And sometimes mixing the oils for food helps with, so that things don't taste too much like coconut oil. Grapeseed oil is another awesome one. You can fry in that one. Olive oil is good, but it should be used only on fresh foods like fresh salad and tomatoes and things like that. It should not be cooked in at high heat levels. And sometimes you can use it in place of butter, like on a potato or that sort of thing. Another one is organic, uh, like grass-fed butter or lard. Those are great for cooking with as well as duck fat. Those are also really, really great oils to be consuming. So just remember, write down, hopefully you're taking notes, write down those vegetable oils that you want to be avoiding. Um, acceptable fats are just listed as well as avocados, nuts, and seeds. You have to kind of be careful with your nuts because, <laughs> because they really should be um, sprouted and soaked oftentimes for people. Sometimes they don't agree with people. So you can see how you feel in consuming certain nuts, um, and if they affect you adversely, then you may want to look into sprouting and soaking them before eating them. Now let's talk about dairy and sweeteners. I always encourage people 100% cut out the commercial dairy. I don't know one person who hasn't told me that they feel so much better when they are not consuming any dairy. And that's often what leads to bloating, gas, skin changes, whether it be, it's usually acne, that sort of thing. Dairy is just, especially commercial dairy is just irritating to people. And the reason why is because again, it is highly processed. So in order for it to be sold in the store, it has to be pasteurized. And in the pasteurization process, they heat it to high levels to kill any bacteria. And in doing that, it destroys the enzymes that help us break down and absorb the protein in milk. So lactose intolerance, that's basically all it is, is the, you know, inability to break down the proteins in milk. But most people have lactose intolerance because the milk is processed and you can't digest it. So not everybody will exhibit the severe signs that, that some people do, uh, with bloating and gas just instantly, or, um, you know, skin changes very quickly. Other people, it's a subtle thing and they don't know how good they would feel because they haven't cut it out. So it's another one of those foods that I highly recommend eliminating from your diet. That's cheese, that's cottage cheese, that's yogurt, um, Obviously milk butter is different because butter is fermented and it's, so it kind of doesn't fall in that same category with dairy, but I would really recommend eliminating all dairy from your life and give it that four to six weeks. Usually I find that people within two to three weeks of eliminating dairy, notice a huge difference and even lose, you know, three to five pounds just because of that. 
or maybe even more. I mean, it's, it's a really big one that you can get rid of and you can replace your milk and creamers with, um, your coconut milk and almond milk, that sort of thing. And to me, those are just as good. There are other options when it comes to dairy and that is raw dairy. So I have at different points in my life, uh, I, I go to the, the website realmilk.com and that's a website that is put together by the Weston A. Price Foundation and they uh, have that website and it's compiled with different um, resources of finding farmers in your area that they have approved that sell oftentimes really great meat and raw dairy. And so I have done that two or three different times in different areas and found phenomenal farmers and farms. And I get my raw dairy from them. So I'll do some grass fed cheese. I'll do butter and also milk. And the the effects of consuming the the raw dairy compared to commercial dairy is like night and day. And so if you might have lactose intolerance and you go and consume raw cow's milk, you typically do not have problems because again, it's not pasteurized. And so the, those enzymes, those proteins are all in place. Your body can break it down. It can use the nutrients from it. So that is an option if um, you want maybe really great milk for your children or you would also like to be consuming milk. And there are different kind of conflicting ideas on that and I feel like it's up to you personally. You have to try it and see how it works for you. Next, I want to talk about sweeteners and these are just like vegetable oils. These are like our silent killers, so to speak, because there is not enough conversation around ingredients specifically and vegetable oils, especially, or, um, excuse me, artificial sweeteners, especially we really, really want to avoid artificial sweeteners and colors too, but Again, when you're buying something, even if it's a drink or like a protein shake, um, whatever it may be that has an ingredient list, read it because you will be surprised that how many things are in foods that we really should not be eating if we pay attention and artificial sweeteners are a big one. So that's like your sucralose, dextrose, glucose. Those are just, you know, sugars, but sucrose, maltodextrin, aspartame, sorbitol, there's maltitol, there's then your like brown rice syrups, those, those kind of uh, corn syrup, those sort of things. Uh, you want to avoid all of those, all artificial sweeteners, what artificial sweeteners do. And especially like Splenda that, that one or aspartame is they can destroy the microphylli in the colon. And that is the, the little kind of fingers that help move, move the food through the colon. And when those are destroyed, the food often sits there and it rots. And that's what leads to colon cancer and other digestive issues. So, um, 
you really want to avoid artificial sweeteners. And there will be people to this day, I've had them tell me that there's no, you know, proof or whatever that, that a little bit of artificial sweetener is fine, but they have shown in studies of people who drink diet beverages and that sort of thing that it causes type two diabetes. It can cause more weight gain. So all of these diet low fat, you really want to look out for your artificial sweeteners and vegetable oils. Again, it comes back to consuming foods that are nutrient rich and not nutrient deficient because our bodies need the fuel to function properly to achieve that optimal health. So the only artificial or, um, the only fit sweetener that I would recommend in moderation is your stevia. And, um, I just go with an organic stevia Coconut sugar is not a bad one. It's, it's a lower glycemic and, uh, or your honey, like raw honey. So in moderation, those are fine and acceptable. I think for baking things like xylitol, stevia, coconut sugar, those are great. And so again, in moderation, those kind of things are fine. If you want to go with that completely unprocessed, you would do something like an organic raw honey. And, uh, that's, you know, totally fine. So that's kind of breaking down macronutrients for you all. And then some specifics when it comes to dairy, gluten, uh, oil, fats, and artificial sweeteners. And those honestly are the keys to maintaining that pillar of health. And I hope that you take notes. You can, again, like I said, you can pick up my simple nutrition book and it's all written out here for you to use kind of as a guideline, but it's just really important to educate yourself on what foods are nutrient rich, what foods should I be avoiding and why. And when I go to these certain restaurants, uh, or, or fast food places, those are the foods that are drenched in these chemicals and these um, processed ingredients that I've been talking about. And so you, every time you are feeding your body with that, you are, you know, you're not feeding it nutrients, but you're also putting chemicals into your body that can affect you and, and make it so that your body can't absorb the good things there. So it's just really important to be conscious and to be mindful, um, of what you're eating on a daily basis and to look at your ingredients, go through what's in your home currently, and maybe get rid of some things that don't need to be there and look for healthier alternatives and then create your grocery list and go out and shop and find the day and time that works best for you to do your food prep. For instance, my husband and I, every Sunday, we do our food prep or when we're making dinners, we make extra so that we can put it in a container and it can be used for meals throughout the week. And that's typically all we have to do to get through a full week of eating on point. So these are just really great tools that you can use. And if you think ahead and you, uh, are, you know, like I always say, mindful and conscious of what you are consuming and what is in the food that you're eating, that can go a very long way in 
creating that optimal health and, and helping you overcome disease, um, autoimmune issues, feeling better, looking better, having energy, all of those things. So that is pillar number one for this week, nutrition. Share this episode with your friends, take those notes, get out and apply this principle to your life. Next week, we will be discussing fitness and exercise and how that is a pillar to optimal health as well. And I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. You benefit from it. Go and subscribe to my podcast, like it, rate it, comment, whatever it takes. I appreciate you all giving me the listen and I will be talking to you all next week. Take care.